0: This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're playing our way into episode 49. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I'm super excited because today we have a guest on the podcast. Rachel is here with us to talk about why it's so important to play with your newborn and to give us practical tips for how even busy mamas and daddies can make that happen. So without further ado, let's jump right into the interview.
1: Hi, this is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am here with a guest. We haven't had a guest on the podcast in a long time, so I'm really excited. This week we are going to be talking to Rachel, and Rachel Coley is a registered occupational therapist. She's had 10 years of experience working with children, and four of those years have been devoted specifically to working with infants and toddlers. She's founded Can Do Kiddo, which helps parents to discover ways to play with their young babies in a way that stimulates all aspects of development and all without expensive baby gear. Thank you so much for being here tonight, Rachel. Thank you so much, Kristen. I've definitely been a listener of your podcast for a while, so it's it's an honor to be on. Yeah, it's exciting to me to have a listener who I get to interview. That's fantastic. Okay, so Rachel, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and why you started Can Do Kiddo? Sure. Um, well, first and foremost, I'm a wife and a mother. So Eric and I have been married for almost two years, and we had our son, Rowan, in June. And then, as you mentioned, I'm a pediatric occupational therapist. And for folks who may not be sure of what that is, which which is a lot of people, actually, basically we work with kids who need a little extra help to do the meaningful tasks of childhood. So that might be moving or playing or socializing or writing or other schoolwork. Um, And I've always felt kind of a true calling or vocation to help kids meet their full potential. Um, I also have a passion for wellness and health promotion, so my undergraduate degree is in health and exercise science, and I'm also a certified yoga instructor. So I kind of run the full gamut of health and wellness in all aspects. Um, And then for a while, professionally, I've kind of felt this pull to shift my career into some sort of parenting education or a support role for parents, but I Definitely didn't feel like I could do that until I had a child of my own. I felt like nobody wants parenting advice or support from a lady with no kids. And now that I'm on the other side and have a baby, I definitely <laughs> think my hunch was right on that. Um, so Can do Kiddo really, it started organically. I was posting all these photos of Rowan playing on my Facebook page, uh mainly, thank you so stinking cute. And I'm definitely not afraid <laughs> to be that mom that posts a million pictures of my new baby uh, but their interest and in the response was just huge. Friends of mine were telling me that they were checking my page to learn what to do with their own babies, and I had people unsolicited asking me to write a book or start a blog. So um, it definitely wasn't part of my plan to start a business when I had an eight-week-old, but it felt <laughs> like I was getting all this unsolicited encouragement to follow that pull that I had felt towards parent education and support. So. I chose not to ignore it, as crazy as it was, and it's been a a crazy few months, but I couldn't ignore that. So, Well, that's awesome. So what you say on Can Do Kiddo is that a blanket is the most important piece of baby gear and that it's essential to cognitive, sensory, and motor development. Can you explain why that's so important? Absolutely. Um, A blanket on the floor is, so important for infant development because it offers two things, freedom of movement and the opportunity for active play. And I'm going to say that again because I can't stress it enough. Freedom of movement and the opportunity for active play. Um, I think that there's a common misperception right now that newborns are just like little lumps on a log and all they need is just a soft seat to watch the world go by. And then when they get bigger, that's when they're really able to play and move. But, um, the first few months of life are so important, and there's so much physical, cognitive, and sensory development that needs to happen to lay the groundwork for that later those later skills that they acquire. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of this development is really subtle, and so parents don't see it or even know that it's happening. Um, so it's a lot easier to hear that really loud and clear message from the makers of baby gear that what your newborn really needs is to sit in a comfy seat. So one example of um, maybe some of the subtle developmental progresses that a newborn might make is just lifting the arms and legs against gravity. Um, I know you you teach uh, pregnant moms, so babies are supported in the amniotic fluid when they're in utero, and so their movements are more easy in there, and they're also all squished, so they don't move a whole, whole lot. Um, So when they're born, just moving the weight of their arm or leg against gravity is strengthening for them. That's like us going to the gym. So stretching out of the fetal position is another example. Um, Their arms and legs are all folded into their bodies when they're in utero, and so it's really important as a newborn that they stretch out of that position. So giving freedom of movement on a blanket on the floor, or what, what I like to call floor time play, um, your baby will practice moving their arms and legs over and over while they're awake. And they're just, like, strengthening and stretching and strengthening and stretching. Um, I don't know how clearly you remember Corwin's movements during his first weeks, but Rowan it looked half the time like he was raising his hand in class. You know, he would just, like, stick an arm up. And that was really his way of doing the work of a newborn, that work of strengthening and stretching and just learning how his body works by practicing movements. So that's why the blanket is so important, just getting your baby down on the floor to play. That's, I mean, that's really cool because I guess that, you know, as you know, I'm not a fan of, of baby buckets or anything, but I sort of think of a newborn just as a curled up little critter, bump on a log type thing. So it's really cool to think about how much they do, and I guess I've never had that perspective on just how much work it takes to to come into their bodies, so to speak. Right, exactly. Okay. So now we're armed with the blanket, and you've told us some about what they need to do, but what what can we as moms and dads, what can we do to help enhance baby's development? Um well one example would be uh you've probably heard a lot about tummy time and how important it is. But I think most parents aren't really sure what tummy time would look like with a newborn, and I think they're nervous to start it in the first week of life, which is what I really recommend is that first week that you have your baby, get them in tummy time. Um, So in the first days after birth, it doesn't look the way it's going to look when your baby's two or three months old. Your baby's knees are going to be all tucked under their body, and her cheek's going to be on the blanket for most of tummy time. And what we're offered as parents in terms of toys for babies are these bright, busy, light-up toys. Maybe they make sounds. And they're really not a good fit for a really little one's visual system. Um, In fact, I find that at a toy store, anything labeled as sensory is probably just really complicated or overly busy. I think that's like a buzzword right now, and so we're seeing a lot of quote-unquote sensory toys. But sensory play for a newborn is just literally feeling their cheek on a blanket, feeling your hand on their back, feeling the weight of their body pressing into the ground underneath them, and then feeling the way that that pressing weight changes as they move. I mean, it's really, really subtle, but that's how your baby's learning. Um, also, just learning to play visually, just looking at faces is so much more appropriate for a newborn in the first week than looking at a crazy, busy, light-up monkey. Um, so... I also advocate for playing with simple little black-and-white images that you can print off the Internet and make a little card and show that to your baby, like, literally just a black circle on a white card, just really simple and basic. Um, I think most parents' experience with tummy time is not really favorable. Um, I think it takes a little bit of creativity and a little bit of better understanding of what's a good fit for your baby's development. And I think those two things can really help tummy time be a much more positive experience. Um, So I also recommend a lot of sideline play in my activities, which that's a term that therapists throw around a lot and maybe most parents aren't aware of. But it just means propping your baby on their side to play. But it's a really important position for play that I, I think parents are often surprised to hear the benefits of. So those are just a few examples of different ways that play can really promote development. Yeah, I don't think I've ever heard anybody tell me that my baby should spend time on his or her side. Pretty much all you ever hear is don't put them on their – ear, you know, don't put them on their tummies except for during tummy time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you would – so I'm guessing, you know, you would want to alternate sides so they could have them on each side. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a therapist that I worked with used to call it rotisserizing your baby. So <laughs> don't have – you want to make sure during – they spend so much time on their backs when they're asleep, right? So when they're awake, we want to make sure that as much as we can, we actually avoid being on the back or at least being on the back where they're encouraged to look straight up, like at an activity gym. I really advocate yeah. like activity gym where you can move the toys to the perimeter so that your baby's turning their head actively to look. Um, but, yes, yeah, side-lying on each side and being on their tummy are great ways to kind of vary the position of your baby. Not just for head shape, but also that's how they learn about their little bodies is they're not really moving much at that point. So it's really just sensing where their body connects with the ground beneath them or with you if you're holding. Holding holding's really valuable, too. I'm a big fan of holding babies and baby wearing and all those things as well. Now, as you know all too well, the early months can be so overwhelming. Are these are these play activities just something that we have to keep up with or you know how can we as tired mommies and daddies incorporate this kind of thing into a baby's daily routine because it sounds like you're saying you know it should be part of the day like eating and sleeping and everything Absolutely yeah <laughs> this period of newbornness is overwhelming and exhausting and all consuming but Um, I really advocate for simple activities, and most of what I do recommends household items. I really don't think, until babies are really grabbing things and putting them in in their mouths, I think that um, you don't really need a lot of baby toys for a newborn. So I try to keep play really simple and really accessible for parents. Um, I think probably the best way to incorporate this type of floor time play into your routine is honestly just to have several blanket, like, play spots for lack of a better word, or in the key areas of your home where you need to get things done. Because I think that's the place, those are the places where we're inclined to stick our baby in a baby holding device or a bucket, as you call it, or some people say containers. Um, yeah. You know, the, the kitchen, the master bathroom, the living room, places where you want your hands free for a moment. So instead of doing that, getting your hand getting yourself in the habit of putting your baby down on the on the floor for a few minutes, and it is literally just a few minutes in the beginning, and I recognize that. Um, you know, it may be two or three minutes, and then you have to change position or put them in a sling or do something else with them. It's, it's not typical for a newborn to sit there for 30 minutes independently playing. Um, I think can-do kiddo activities, a lot of them, because they do involve household items and just reliability, to be honest. They do require close supervision, but that's not to say that you can't put your baby under an activity gym while you're cooking dinner or putting them in sideline while they're looking at a book while you get your makeup on in the morning or take a shower or visit with your spouse um, or launch a business in my case. (laughs) So I really think that I could not have launched a business in the past three months with a, a newborn without Play. I mean, that's that's been the key. I don't stick them, we we actually don't have any baby holding devices other than the car seat in the car. It doesn't come out, and we have a stroller, but it's not like a car seat stroller. It's a big big kid stroller, so which is kind of crazy. It's a little extreme, but I did it on purpose because I felt like it would force me to be more creative than that. It would force me to do the floor time play, and I also felt like if I was gonna, I had to practice what I preach, right? If I'm gonna tell anyone. They shouldn't use a lot of equipment. I needed to figure out how that looks. Um, so I try to be realistic, too, when it comes to, quote, unquote, creative play. I basically aim to offer three new activities a week. And I personally take the weekends off. Like Saturday and Sunday, he's on his <laughs> own to play with all his old toys. I'm not doing anything crazy on the weekends. But during the week, I do try about three times a week to think of something new and fun for him, not just because I'm blogging about it, but because it keeps things fresh. He's way more interested in a new activity than that same old thing he's had for three weeks. Um, and, you know, just to clarify, an activity, I'm putting that in air quotes here, is sometimes <laughs> just tummy time on a blanket in the backyard watching the dog chase a ball. I mean, I'm not advocating for early science experiments or baby or size or anything too complex. It's, it's just really basic it's as simple as putting your baby on a blanket. It really is. So That's more what I'm advocating for. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense. And I really like I like the way that you said, you know, have a blanket positioned around wherever you are and put baby there instead of in a baby container or bucket or whatever. Because I can definitely, when I, because I'm thinking all about how, you know, how I interacted with my babies while you're talking. And I definitely can think of times when I needed to put them down to do something, get in the shower or make a phone call real quick or something, and I could have had a blanket by that typical station to have the baby. And that Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's really cool. (laughs) Well, and the funny thing is it actually gets harder. So in the beginning, he would literally lay under a mobile for 15 minutes just in awe. And – and on my blog I have a post where I show the mobile that I used. It was one that I could change up the pictures a lot. And so it would be new to him, and he would just lay there. I could eat my oatmeal and sip my coffee while he's watching this mobile, and it was great. As he's gotten older, strangely enough, it gets harder because now he actually demands a little bit more attention and a little bit more interaction during those periods, and he's a little more able to fuss when I walk out of the room for a quick second. or You know, he's, he's just getting a little bit more assertive. But when they're so little, those first weeks and months, I mean, it's actually not as hard as one would think to keep a baby occupied, unless you have a colicky baby. That's my caveat. If you have a colicky baby, this can be really hard. But So how do these simple play activities like you talked about, how do they help to enhance baby's cognitive development? That's like a really big buzzword nowadays is, you know, how do we make our baby smarter? So how does that help? Maybe not to make smarter, but just to enhance. Optimal development, right, yeah, and that's a good point is that i I don't want anyone to think I'm trying to like raise a baby genius or anything like my my goal is really for his development to unfold really naturally the way it should, and that nothing that I'm doing or nothing might be an extreme word, but very little that I'm doing is hindering that natural unfolding of development, so that's a key point, but um, I think for kids and adults we can we can learn through listening and through watching. But we know that babies learn best through experience and through sensations. So I think by making awake times more active, so, for example, on a blanket or on the floor, instead of passive, like in a swing or in a rock and play or a car seat carrier, um, you're making those awake times more opportunities to learn through experience and to learn through cause and effect and through repeated actions. So I think a good way to think about it is, You could put a baby in a bouncy seat, and that baby could watch you roll from your back to your belly for hours a day, and she would not learn how to roll. So she needs the opportunity to feel the back, her back on the ground, and she needs to learn how moving her legs affects that sensation of the ground underneath her back, and she needs to stretch and strengthen her belly and her leg muscles through kicking. Um, She needs, ultimately, the freedom of unrestricted movement to start to reach for her feet, and then she needs to accidentally roll to her side sometimes while reaching for her feet. So all those kind of steps lead up in the progression towards what we all recognize as the milestone of rolling, like, hooray, let's clap and put a video on Facebook. She rolled, but what we missed is that at one week and two weeks, she was learning things that factor into that rolling. So she's learning through play, and she's learning that... um, even in those first weeks that, that play is what helps her to learn and grow. And um, I'm just advocating for that learning to start earlier instead of, you know, putting your newborn in containers all the time baby-holding devices. And then when they're bigger, that's when they'll play. So does, that make, does that make sense, how it affects cognitive development? Yeah, it does. It does. I like it because when you were saying that, I could hear how holistically it's going to cover – other issues that we talk about and that you emphasize on your site. So like many children today have sensory processing issues. That's another big buzzword that we hear. Mm -hmm. And these problems don't seem to manifest, or maybe we don't notice them until the child is much older. But do your activities help with, you know, healthy sensory development before we would even have a chance to notice that? Right. Well, I can't can't make any FDA-approved statements, but as an OT, I know that early play and movement activities, such as the ones that I suggest, they promote healthy sensory development. They just do. If you were to show up at a sensory integration clinic and take a peek inside where older kids, like you're saying, that have been diagnosed with sensory problems, where trained therapists are working with them, you would see two things, movement and play. So you would see, I've worked in those clinics, and you would see kids rolling and kids climbing and jumping. You would see kids hitting moving targets with bats. You would see them reaching into pans of rice and beans and water and slime and all these different textures. So really the two hallmarks of sensory play are that the child is an active participant, and that's key, active, and that they're having purposeful responses, which in a baby is really small. <laughs> purposeful responses <laughs> like kicking or reaching or keeping your eyes open for more than five seconds. So so it's really simple with babies. It gets a little more complex with older kids. But through play, you're helping prevent those problems down the road where a child hasn't adequately learned how to have purposeful responses. Um, I think one of the things that really troubled me when I worked with older kids was how much time as a trained therapist I was spending doing treatment activities, again, air quotes, Um, that were really normal play activities 50 years ago, like hopscotch and lunch bars, tetherball. So I look at the experience of an American infant right now and I also see that it's just so different than it used to be. It really is. Our babies spend so much time just passive in equipment and they're missing the opportunities for that movement and play develop the senses and lay the foundation for the lifelong sensory processing skills, but also like you're saying, it's so intertwined, it's so holistic, the motor, the cognitive and the sensory. Yeah, so I guess when our you know, when our grandparents were babies, their moms probably they didn't really have much choice. When they needed their hands free, the baby probably did go on a blanket. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, there were very few pieces of quote unquote gear. Um, back then. I mean, when you had a baby, people gave you blankets and gave you clothes, and they didn't have car seats, so you're kind of on your way with that. So. Yeah, and actually, this question just just came up as we're talking about, you know, baby being free to move and things. So one thing that I've done with a lot of my babies at night to help them sleep is swaddling. So is swaddling okay if it's at night, and does giving baby lots of time during the day help counteract that? Or, you know, what's your view on swaddling? Absolutely. I think swaddling, I'm all for it, <laughs> especially having a new baby. But from a, <laughs> from a central from a central nervous system perspective, swaddling works because it gives deep pressure. And we know that deep pressure is calming. Um, so, and, and science shows that. They've done all sorts of studies. Deep pressure equals calming. That's why we love to get a massage, right? It feels good. It calms yeah. It down. Yeah. So I'm all for swaddling until baby can roll, which in my case was really early, and I was crushed when my (laughs) pediatrician told me to stop swaddling because I was like, he's not ready, his cognitive, like his central nervous system isn't ready to be unswaddled, but it wasn't safe, so I had to do it. I will say that I, uh, so you're right, you can combat any effects of swaddling by by having them active throughout the day, and honestly, babies don't move a whole lot in their sleep when they're that young. Now, once you have a kid six months and older, they're like a wild animal in their sleep. But yeah. the little guys, they don't move a whole lot in their sleep. So swaddling in those early weeks and months isn't limiting too much. Um, I will say I swaddled with the hands out, so arms tucked but hands up by the mouth. And the reason why I okay. do that is I wanted them to be able to self-soothe. So the other Another way that babies use their central nervous system or use tools to calm their central nervous system is through sucking and and mouthing their hands. And so I didn't want to take that away from him. So we swaddled and we just swaddled with his elbows in it, his chest, and his hands up. And you would hear him in the middle of the night sucking on his hands to get back to sleep. So that's just me personally. That's what we did. But Okay. And so we've... Again, we've touched on this as we've talked about the other two aspects, and then we hit on it again here discussing swaddling. But we know that motor development is important, and as you emphasized, babies that are in baby buckets don't really get an opportunity for enough. So how can the ideas that you introduce help to ensure that proper motor development? Well, it it mainly just gives them the opportunity to move. I mean, from those early weeks when movement is – Difficult. I mean, when they're literally just trying to learn how to move their arms and legs against gravity, if you put them in a baby bucket, even though it looks like a soft, comfy, comfy seat, it's so soft and so comfy that they sink right into it, and it actually limits their movement a lot. Um, I think one of the – there's nothing inherently horrible about baby-holding devices. I think it's more what they're not doing when they're in them that's detrimental to their development. Um, There is research that shows that sleeping on your back actually is correlated with motor delays, and I'm all for the back-to-sleep campaign. We've reduced um, sudden infant death syndrome by 40 to 50% since that started in 1992. So I don't advocate for any other sleeping position, but I say that to say that we can't help what they're doing at night, so it's even more important now that we're helping them during the day to grow and move and develop. Um, so that we don't have those problems. And, um, you know, we, we've talked before about flat heads um, off air, and I think it's important to to note that, again, we can't help the the position of baby's heads at night when they're sleeping, but it's so much more important because of back to sleep to make sure that during the day they're not just resting in a baby holding device where their head movement's is limited. Um, so I think that's the awareness piece that I hope to raise for people it's just how important it is to have your baby out and free to move. That's what their whole goal in life at that point yeah. has to learn about their little bodies, you know. So Okay. Um so one of the things I that I was thinking of is I keep I keep thinking about the ideas that are in your booklet and I just love them all. I showed my husband the little box with the Christmas lights. I thought that was the cutest idea. Yeah. But but when we've been talking, I keep thinking about the idea where you have um, baby's feet in the little tray of water. Because mm-hmm. to me, that, that was just a good example that kind of shows all of these different aspects of the benefits of these that we're talking about. And it also shows the simplicity of it. So I thought mm-hmm. maybe you could share just that little activity so that the listeners really have an idea of what an activity or an idea that you have is. Absolutely. So I love water play, and I am the crazy woman that was doing water play with my baby when he was only a few weeks old. But at the point that he started actively kicking, um, not just moving his legs, but kind of doing that thing where they go through this phase where they're just like kicking, kicking, kicking all the time, I thought, well, he's kicking, and I know that developmentally this is a piece of the puzzle where he's kicking to gain strength so that he can then grab his feet so that he can then learn how to roll. So if this is what he's into, if he's into kicking right now, how can I make this more fun for him and more fun for me and keep him busy? So um, one of the things that I did as a kicking activity was I just laid him on his back on the front porch. I put a blanket down and some towels down. And you could definitely do this inside as well if you live in a colder climate than we do, but I was lucky to have a a summer baby in the south. So um, we were on our front porch. I laid him in a diaper and just stuck his feet in a cookie pan. I mean, it was literally a quarter inch maybe a half inch of water and he sat there for a minute like the world had shifted underneath him (laughs) and then he started kicking and you could just see the wheels turning where he figured out that it was his kicking I mean at first it was just oh I feel something different I hear something different but then you could see when it was like oh when I move my leg like this I get to hear that noise or I get to feel those feelings um, so super simple activity, but it just pulled right it, – it honed right in on what he was working on and what was interesting and exciting to him at that point. Um, so they have those baby – like they sell baby um, kicking toys that play music and things like that. So there are baby toys you can buy that achieve the same results or similar results, but I just wasn't going to buy those things. I said I can do this myself, and so we um, – we made up our own toy there, but yeah, simple everybody has a cookie sheet at their house and some water in the faucet, so just an easy play activity that kept mine busy. That's not one you can set up and walk away, obviously and get your laundry done, but um that's a fun one to just watch your baby growing and learning, so yeah, I think it would be tons of fun, I mean, it must have been tons of fun just to watch Roland exploring that, so Absolutely. I just really like that idea, okay, so Rachel has an adorable blanket in her Etsy store, and it has ideas like like the little water pan and like the – I know you guys are all intrigued now by the Christmas light box idea. My husband calls that the baby tanning bed, by the way. (laughs) That's so cute. I love that idea. (laughs) Um, But Rachel has an Etsy store, and she's got a blanket that has all these ideas for each month of your baby's early months of development printed directly onto the blanket which is a brilliant way to help tired mamas find the perfect idea for your situation with just a glance. So, Rachel, can you tell us more about the blanket and about the book that comes with it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I created the Candy Kiddo Blanket. It was actually kind of a joke. Uh, My cousin, who's a pretty successful blogger, suggested that I come up with a product. And I jokingly said, oh, well, my product would be a blanket on the floor because that's what I believe in. But then I looked up at my husband, and I'm like, oh, we should make a blanket because this would be a way to show parents what they can do with their baby, and it would give parents a cute piece of baby gear because that's what we want. You know, when you're pregnant, you're shopping, and you're registering, and you're you're all excited about the stuff, right? Nobody wants to buy an educational book when they're pregnant. Everybody wants something cute for the nursery. So I created Candy Keto Blankets really to give parents an alternative piece of baby gear and one that's beneficial for babies, and it's a tool for them, so giving ideas of what to do with that newborn in the first four months. Um, And the blanket, just for a little background, um, it's a handmade patchwork quilt, and four of the blankets are made of a custom fabric that I designed, which features, like you said, 45 creative play activities for the first four months. So when you look at the blanket, you see the four patches are labeled month one, month two, and so on, and then printed in cute fonts. Listing out the activities, um, and I don't—I just don't think it's on most parents' radars to play with a newborn. Um, but I had a lot of parents asking me, as an OT, what can I do with my baby all day? So this was kind of my answer to that. Like, well, I'll—I'll I'll give you some ideas. Um, and then I wrote the book really as a companion to the blanket, but it's also a standalone resource, and I do sell it separately as a print book and also um, as an ebook. And it describes all of the 45 activities in detail. So the setup, I list out the benefits, if anybody's a child development nerd like, like me and wants to know those. Um, I have photographs, all of Rowan's. At the end of the book, you're probably really exhausted of my son. But no, I he's adorable. Clarify, clarify, thank you, clarify the activities. And then I went to Great lengths to include in really simple terms the why for parents because I know that we all really want to do what's best for our kids, and I felt like if we, if parents could begin to understand their baby's development, that maybe my activities would just be a jumping-off point. Um, I watched my my husband, bless his heart, went from asking on week two, "Why can't we get a see feet again?" and then by month two, he literally came up with the idea to put Rowan's feet in a pan of dry beans to kick and hear, and. I could see him just starting to get it and to really enjoy, like you said, being creative with his baby. And he started to notice those subtle developmental steps that Rowan was taking. He would tell me, like, oh, I saw him today. He did this. So he really just came alive with this play with an itty, itty, itty bitty baby because he started to understand it. So that's really what I was hoping to achieve with the book. Yeah, I love that. I just, I mean, I like what you said about your husband. I know that one of the things that I encourage moms during pregnancy and birth, because I'm always teaching about that, is to be really conscious. And it just sounds like, you know, there's, I mean, I didn't even know that a baby reaching down to grab his or her feet was a step to rolling over. So just, it sounds like you can really facilitate and just become more conscious and in tune as a parent just by incorporating Mm -hmm. these little things into your day. And that's awesome. Well, and it also just makes parenting a newborn a little more rewarding because, honestly, before they smile and before they laugh, it can get boring. And it can get really draining, like you just give and give and give and you're not getting a whole lot back. So if you're able to look at your three- or four-week-old and see that they've done something new today, Maybe it's not something worthy of a Facebook video, but it's <laughs> something that you notice and you can take joy and know that they're growing and learning. Um, and I think that that's—I mean, I am truly a self-proclaimed child development nerd. But I hope to kind of give that gift to parents to be able to see a little bit more of what their newborn is really doing because it's amazing. That um, I find—I think the first four months of life are just the coolest. I really do. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so how can parents find you if they would like to get a blanket or get a copy of the book or the ebook for their baby? Um, well, I have an Etsy shop, like you said, and you can find it either through just going to etsy.com and searching. You can even search Cando Kiddo in all different ways, and it should pop up. But if you want to go directly, it's uh, www.candukiddo.ca. dot Etsy.com. And then I blog at CanDoKiddosa.com, and I'm also on Facebook and Pinterest, so people can track me down in all sorts of ways. All right. And then because I'm sure that we have listeners wondering, uh, are you planning on writing a book that helps parents with older babies who, you know, are outside that first four-month period? It's so funny. I get asked that all the time, and in the beginning I'd be like, just wait till my kid gets older. I promise I'll put, especially on the blog, I was like, I will put older activities on the blog, but not until my baby gets there because the thought of, like, tracking down someone else's baby to play with and take videos or photos when I had a newborn, it's like, oh, my gosh, I can't do it. But um, I probably will have a second book for older babies once Rowan makes it through that phase, Um, like I said, because he's kind of my guinea pig and my inspiration. But I think that parents do a better job at getting older babies down on the floor, in part because babies are more able to advocate for it and insist upon it. Um, they're craving floor time and wiggling and crawling. So I'd love to do a book for a little bit older phase, but I don't really plan on extending it much past the first year. Um, I feel like there's so many amazing bloggers and writers out there that are offering those kind of toddler age and preschool age activities. So the resources and information are there. So I think for now my goal is to kind of stick with my passion and stick with the area that I think is just so needed for those first four and six months of life. So I think it's the itty-bitty ones who need a little advocacy right now. So I'd like to focus there for now and then see where it leads. Cool. All right. Well, thanks so much, Rachel. Is there anything else that you would like listeners to know about you or about CanDoKidus? No, just that I'm just really grateful for you giving me the opportunity to share with parents. And I think one of my goals is to never again have a parent tell me regretfully, I wish I'd known, or I wish I could go back and do things differently. I hear that all the time. So I think it's so important to share this message with expectant parents and with very new parents, and I know that's your audience. So thank you so much for the opportunity to reach them. Well, thank you for being here, Rachel. It's been wonderful. Awesome.
0: Well, thanks. Have a good one. You too. I just want to thank Rachel again for being a guest on the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Remember, you can find her at CanDoKiddo.com. That's C-A-N-D-O-K-I-D-D-O, CanDoKiddo.com. Com. And I want to thank you so much for listening into the podcast. If you have any interviews that you would like to hear or you have any feedback for me or for Rachel, feel free to send me any feedback that you have. I just love hearing it. I know Rachel would love to hear it. And I would also love to hear anybody else that you would like to hear interviewed on the podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, if you would leave a rating in iTunes and Stitcher, it really helps other families find the podcast so they can get great information on natural baby care, natural pregnancy, and natural birth too. And I really appreciate your ratings. Remember, if you would like updates on the newest podcast and everything else going on with naturalbirthandbabycare.com, you can head over to TrustBirth101, that's TrustBirth101.com and sign up for the newsletter. You'll get a freebie on preparing for your baby and preparing for a natural birth, and you'll get updates anytime there's a new podcast and anytime there's a new article or anything else exciting going on. I look forward to talking with you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.